Today, I'd like us to uh, continue with the message of grace. Remember we said that this month, the emphasis, it is grace. For without grace, we would not be seated where we are seated. Because we would be probably operating under the law. And nobody was able to fulfill the law as it was. Nobody succeeded in fulfilling the law. And because of that, God, by his mercy and love for us, he sent his son Jesus, who did not come to abolish the law, but he came to make it work by introducing grace. Amen? And we are the beneficiaries of grace. Hallelujah. For by grace we've been saved through faith. Not by works. Amen? Because all by any gift. I never paid any gift. If anything, those days, even if I was asked to pay anything, I was only a high school boy. I don't know what I would have used if we were to buy salvation. Then it would mean students would never qualify because they have nothing. But thank God that I didn't have to pay anything. I only needed to believe. Like the man whose son was sick. And Jesus, when Jesus told him, just believe and go. Your son will leave. He did not argue. He started his journey. And by the time he was getting near home, he meets with his servants. They are telling him, hey, the young man is getting better. When did he start getting better? When did he get well? In other words, when was he healed? And they tell him, yesterday. What time? He was specific. He wanted to know, yes, it is yesterday. But what time? He told the hour. And then he remembered. It is the same hour that Jesus told him, go, your son will live. Praise the Lord. Jesus did not ask him to pay anything. No. Grace was in operation. And grace was extended even to the Gentiles. The non-believers. Jesus did not discriminate and say, hey, hey, wait, wait, go Even the time that he was almost tempted with the, it's called what? The Canaanite woman. The one that was told the bread that is reserved for the children cannot be given to the dogs. And again, the Canaanite woman. Again, she applied faith. And Jesus was again touched. Amen? So we are operating in that era, in the season of grace. And we need to take advantage of grace. Because grace is free. Amen? Remember we said grace is what is unmerited? Favor. You getting what you do not deserve. And we give an example of somebody who has been convicted. He deserves judgment. 
He need to go to jail. But the judge exercises mercy, extends grace to this person, and says, though you are guilty, I set you free. That's who I was. That's who you are. Today you are free. You have every reason to thank God, to rejoice, to glorify the Lord. Amen? Grace upon grace is what Jesus brought, isn't it? That's what we learned. Let's, let's look at that first again. You see, John chapter 1, verse 16. John 1, 16. For from his fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. That's another version altogether. Still okay. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For in his fullness you have received not just grace. It is grace upon grace. Hallelujah. It is grace without measure. It is grace. Today it is grace. Tomorrow it is grace. It is grace. It is grace. We cannot live without grace. Amen. So grace is what has brought us here today. Grace is what has made us has made us. And some of you have got that name grace. You should celebrate your grace. You know there's a scripture that I I love most. It says, Is there anything that you have that you are not that we are never given? Anybody who can remember that scripture? Can you search it and put it there? It says it is what? John three. Okay, you once you get it, but I just love it. Is there anything that you have that you are not given? Can somebody tell me today, seated here, whether you have anything that you have that you were never given? The truth is that there is nothing that you have that you are never given. All that we have, we received. And we received from our Father because we live in the dispensation of grace. Amen? If it was the old days, we would have to earn what we have. If it is righteousness, you needed to earn it by observing the law and providing sacrifices. Praise the Lord. Thank God that Jesus came. Because if we were to provide sacrifices, there are some of us who cannot afford a goat or even a pigeon, but you don't have to sacrifice anything. Amen? The Lord has paid for us. Hallelujah. It is by grace that you have been saved. Amen? Now, remember, to do, there are three things, actually four, that I'll enemies of grace. He said one is sin, the other one is ignorance, unforgiveness, and the fourth one is reasonness. I'll try and see whether I can be able to cover those four. But turn with me Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. 
see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. She means then, although grace is given to us freely, there is a possibility that you can fail to obtain it or you can miss it. And the Hebrew writer put it this way. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Because the question is, why this emphasis? Because if you do not obtain the grace of God at this dispensation, then it means you cannot get saved. You cannot get any help. Because there is no other way to receive God's grace or rather to receive God's mercy except if we go through grace. And last time we said Jesus came introduced grace before truth. Because if it was truth before grace we cannot qualify. But grace comes and then truth is introduced. And from there, then we are free. And we, are, we can be set free. We can receive mercy. We can receive forgiveness. We can walk in victory. Hallelujah. Not based on the gifts that we give. All our efforts. But because someone has fully paid the price. So see to it then that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many became defiled. Remove grace and you become a candidate of defilement. Why? Because the devil is busy chasing you to defile you. And I'll tell you why. I told you one of the enemies of grace is ignorance. If you do not know your rights, anybody can take advantage of you. But if they know that you know your rights, they'll be careful. I'd like you to go with me to the book of Second Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the first is uh, 21. It's there on the screen. God made him who had not seen to be come seen or to be seen. I like that. God made him who had not seen to be seen for, for us. That God made him who had no sin to be seen himself. So, sin disappears and it becomes someone who had no sin. Now, that person becomes sin. And that happens because of me and you. So, who had sin? It is me, isn't it? Who became sin? Not you. The one who had no sin. 
Let me do a demonstration. Let me have two, two, two people, two young men. Isaac, just come. Okay. For the, this demonstration, Kevin become, is the one who is seen. Okay? okay? He is the one who has seen. And actually, if he has seen, then he is seen, isn't it? This one is the Lord Jesus. For the sake of demonstration, don't call him Jesus after this. Yeah? So Isaac has no sin. Isaac is born of God. Isaac doesn't know sin at all. There is no sin in him. So he is, as we speak, we can say, he is righteous, isn't it? Isn't it? So he is the righteousness of who? Of God. So this man decides cannot be condemned. Isn't it? Because he has no sin. What about this one? Deserves what? Judgment, conviction, and then to committee, to the garo. Isn't it? That's what we do with sinners. Are they still hanging them? The law is still there, but nobody has been hanged for the last, I don't know, 20 whatever years. Now this gentleman has been found guilty because in him there is sin and sin deserves judgment he need to be taken to committee to face death but something happens this one has no sin come let's let's exchange this one becomes sin now, sin has to be condemned. This one has no sin. But he is not Jesus. He become righteous. Okay? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So what has this man become? of God. He has been replaced. His sins have been taken away. They are upon this one who had no sin. How can you explain what has happened here? What has Kevin done? What payment has he given? This is grace in operation. Okay? This is grace in what? One who had no sin becomes sin. One who had sin, deserved judgment, receives forgiveness, and he becomes the righteousness of God. You guys can sit now. Thank you so much. Let's clap for them. What I've just demonstrated, I've just demonstrated what you have become. You were once sin. Jesus became your sin. Instead, he gave you his righteousness by believing in him. You exercised faith. That is why it is said, it is, by it is through faith that we have, been, we have been saved. So what Jesus has already done, he has dealt with the first enemy of grace and that is sin. Sin is already dealt with. Sin is not a problem anymore. 
human beings can access the throne of God through Jesus Christ. Because sin has been dealt with. Remember, you have not paid anything. But he paid the price. Because he became sin. And he was judged. And he died on the cross. You have not died on the cross. You will not die on the cross. Amen? You will not die. Because even if you die, you will not obtain anything. Even if you try to die for someone else, it will still be in vain. Because you cannot. Someone has already died for you. Now, why did I use that demonstration? I told you that apart from sin, the enemy of grace is ignorance. And we are warned in the book of Hebrews to be careful not to be like Esau who sold his birthright for a meal. And the Bible says he tried later even with tears to gain it, but he couldn't because he sold it. Why would we be told not why would we be told to be careful not to fail to obtain grace? That was Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many became defiled. I told you, we've just demonstrated that we are the righteousness of God, isn't it? But ignorance makes you think that you cannot be forgiven. You do not deserve forgiveness. You think you are too sinful to be forgiven. Many times that's what the devil will tell you. No, you cannot be forgiven. Remember what you did. Remember what you did. Remember what you did. You cannot be righteous. Nobody can be able to attain righteousness. But the scripture has just told us we have become the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. But ignorance, for not knowing your rights and not knowing that your sins have been taken care of, you can still hold on to them and remain a prisoner of sin like Esau. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. First of all, Saul, Esau, what did he do? Let's go to the book of Genesis. When Jacob, who was smarter, and who had a liberation, who knows what matters and what doesn't matter, when this guy faces him, Genesis chapter 25-29. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the open country or from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore 
to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil, dango, stew, and he ate and drank and lost and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. That's what I want you to see. What did Esau do? He despised his birthright because of ignorance. Ignorance is an enemy. Esau is in the lineage of Abraham through whom all nations will be blessed. He is also privileged. He is the firstborn of the family. So he has a, a right. He has a birthright. He has a gift. But one day, hunger, or rather the stomach, goes ahead everything else. And he forgets who he is for a moment. And he's listening to hunger pain. Hunger pang. Is that what called pangs? Are they called pangs or pains? Both. Pangs. It's a high level of pain. Because <laughs> you can see it drove the guy to sell his birthright. Really, would you sell your birthright because you have a headache? Yeah. So you aren't familiar. If somebody tells you, just give me your... If somebody comes to you because he has a headache and tells give me some panandos. Just give me some money to buy panandos. And he tells you, no, no, no. First of all, give me your birthright. So you yeah. But hunger can make you sell your birthright. The guy sold his birthright. Why are we reading this? It's because this man had a lot of grace at his disposal. He did not buy the birthright. He only happened to be born first. And that qualifies him Gives him a head start to go before his father, before the other one, and receive the first blessings. Because that was a tradition. But because he is ignorant of who he is and what birthright is all about, the lineage he belonged to, he despises it. How many times do we despise the gift that we have? How many times? Do we fail to know, to know that what we have is precious? That we are the righteousness of God. And we listen to the stomach. We listen to sexual desires. We listen to what people say. We are ambitious because we want to become, we want to earn, we want to have a position. We despise what is precious at the expense of what is visible. Let me tell you something. Esau's problem, one of it, he lacked imagination 
Because if he had imagination, he would have imagined, look at it, what is a birthright? Where will it take me? Today, yes, I'm hungry. But what is ahead of me? What is in the future? What is at stake? Stomach? All? Someone wants something else to give me food. Will I sacrifice? Had he seen behold? Had he... Well, let me use imagination, yes. But it can also be he lacked liberation. Okay? Let me come home to spiritual people. He lacked what? Liberation. He lacked what? Vision. He lived in the present. He lived in the present. He was guided by what he was able. He could see. He never saw the invisible. Birthright contained the invisible. The blessings that he could not see with his own eyes. But because he was ignorant, he despised. Be careful not to be ignorant. Do you know you are right? Do you know you are the righteousness of God? Do you know you are not operating under the law anymore? You know what used to happen? In the Old Testament, when they operated under the law, they were all sinners who were pursuing righteousness. Sinners trying to become what? Righteous. By obeying the law. And it was so difficult. Because by the time you have done with law number one, you have failed the other one. You think you've done so well. You've seen somebody's wife and you have coveted. Or somebody's donkey or whatever. And you say, wow. And then you remember, oh, I have sinned. They lived a miserable life. Pursuing righteousness. But they were sinners. Let me tell you the reverse. And you need to celebrate this. Because in the New Testament, when the Lord Jesus came, the law introduces the law of love. Amen? And grace. And through him, Praise the Lord. We've just read in 2 Corinthians 5.21. What have we become? The one who had not seen became seen. So that you who had seen now become the righteousness of God. So now you are righteous. So what have you become? You are the righteousness of God. Let me tell you where the problem is. Because there is someone chasing you to defile you. In the Old Testament, it was sinner pursuing righteousness. Today, it is a righteous person being pursued by the devil. Because the devil wants to defile you. The devil knows you are righteous. That is why he invests his time in chasing you. To defile you. But you need to know. And that's why I say it. Ignorance is an enemy because many are ignorant of who they are. 
They think because yesterday the devil threw something to defile you that you have now become defiled. You are not the righteousness of God. Please understand that the price has already been paid. You are the righteousness of God. And you have everything at your disposal to oppose, to deal with any force that comes against you. Because again, it is not, you did not pay for it. If you paid for it, you need to protect it. Whatever you earn, you need to protect. But what you are given, the honors of protecting it is with someone else. Who gives you power to overcome sin? It is Jesus. So you need to understand where you are in this dispensation of grace that you have already been pronounced righteous because you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's who you are. But there is someone who wants to defile you. If you are ignorant of him, if you give him a chance, if you allow him to define you, if the desires of the stomach and your mind and your body goes ahead of you, then you can lose what you have. Though it's free. So enemies of grace, sin, the other one is ignorance. Hosea 4, chapter 6, Hosea 4, 6 says what? My people do what? Perish. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. And I like what he says there. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priest. Now talking to a priest. First of all, the Lord puts it this way. My people are destroyed for lack of what? Knowledge. If you do not apply knowledge, if you do not know who you are, if you are ignorant of the fact that you've been set free, then the devil can toss you up and down. And when you reject knowledge, when you pray ignorance, when you behave like you do not know that your sins have been forgiven, and you walk into places that you are not supposed to walk, yet the Spirit of God in you is warning you and telling you you are treading on dangerous ground, then what you are doing is rejecting knowledge. And if you reject knowledge, then you will perish. So people will perish, not because they are supposed to perish, but because they have been given an opportunity, but they have failed to receive or to take advantage of the opportunity. Grace is available. Hallelujah. But are you willing to receive that grace? Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you. Esau rejected his birthright. Ignored what was precious because of 
a piece of chapati and some dango. And the Bible says, after he ate and was full, he went his way, despising his birthright. He thought it was a simple act until some years later when he was cheated to his father's position. He thought he's delivering his meat as usual. Someone was smarter. Someone had seen the revelation and had operated applying using wisdom. And the guy lost it. He was so mad. But he remembered. He remembered. He said, he has has cheated me now twice. He took away my birthright. Now he has taken my blessings. What he didn't know is that when the birthright was taken, everything else was taken. Be careful not to sell what you have. It's so variable. It may cost you everything else in future. You are precious before God. Amen? Hold what you have. Amen? Be careful not to be ignorant of who you are. Because if you are, the devil will defile you. But if you know that you are righteous, you can stand and tell, hey, your assignment is to defile me. Yeah? But I'm already righteous. How dare you, you wicked serpent? Get off my way. I'm not going to be as I mean a fool as a, as a fool. I'm not going to be as foolish as Esau. That's why it's given there as an example. What you have is precious. Esau was wicked. The Bible says that he married the Canaanite women, the Hittites, and they became a pain to the parents. Look at the guy. How would he even receive any blessing? He was ignorant of who he was. That he even goes to the enemies to marry from the enemies. Be wise. Don't be ignorant. Amen? Unforgiveness is another problem. Remember, grace is unmerited favor. There's many of us here who carry a lot of pain in their hearts. And I know we keep repeating this because it is the most difficult sin or evil to overcome. It's unforgiveness. But I want to ask you, if grace is unmerited favor, if you are where you are because you never merited it. Why would you find it difficult for you to also extend the same grace to someone else? Who does not deserve it? Yes. He doesn't. She doesn't deserve it. You are justified. You are hurt. You are in pain, yes. But you still operate under grace. You are still taking advantage of the grace of God. You still claim when you say you are righteous and we do not dispute, dispute that. 
Because we know that your sins are forgiven. But there is one thing in you that can take away everything else. And at the end of the day, all that you have worked for, like Esau, will go. It is unforgiveness. Someone said, and I have said this before, that unforgiveness is, when you harbor unforgiveness, is like when someone takes a grass of, no, you take a grass of poison. You know that this grass contains poison, or this bottle has poison. But you take it on behalf of your enemy, expecting that your enemy will die. Who will die? But that is what you have done. Yourself. You who has unforgiveness in you, what you carry is poison. And you are thinking, because you are so bitter, that that other person is suffering wherever he is. Or she is. No. The fellow does not even remember what he did to you. He is busy enjoying life. But there you are saying he left me. Okay? He did not just leave me. He left me with a child. Because that's... The fight can go. Yes. But you carry, you still carry that bitterness in you. It is eating you. It is poison that is slowly taking you away. It is like cancer. And forgiveness is like cancer. It doesn't just kill. It will kill slowly. Now, if we are in this era of grace and we are enjoying grace thank you Stephen then you cannot be excused we cannot allow you if we know you to take poison what would you do today if you fight someone taking poison and you know that is poison let's be honest what shall we do we will restrain them isn't it you will if he is holding you will Kick that cup. Yeah? Yes. One of my friends one time, it's a sad story. Someone wanted to poison him, but him he didn't know. So they are busy taking, some people are taking tea. And someone put poison in his tea. Him he didn't see it, but his friend saw it. His other friend now saw what has happened. So he takes his tea. To take it. And his friend just hit it. He looked at him. What have you done? Because it was not an accident. It was deliberate. He saved his life. It's a true story. I know the people involved. He came, could not allow him to take poison. Why do we allow our friends to live with unforgiveness and we do not tell them that it is poison? How many people do you know that are harboring unforgiveness in their heart. Some of them are your relatives. They may be your parents. You may be the one. They may be your sisters. Please, today, look for them. Tell them what they have is cancer. Help them to get out of it. Because they cannot enjoy grace with unforgiveness. The last one is reasoners. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Quickly. We do not want you to become lazy sluggish. But what do we want you to do? But to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. We do not want you to become razor, 
Please know that word. Laziness. Sluggishness. Because if you do, you will not inherit what has been promised. But you are being warned. Yes, we live at a time of grace and merited favor. But there are some things we are required to do. Not to earn it. We already have it. But there are promises that comes with it. Because you've already earned grace. It's unmerited favor. But there are promises. Remember I told you they are enemies of grace. Listeners is an enemy of grace. We say sin is an enemy of grace. If you sin deliberately, like Ezo, Ezo, he deliberately decided, and he said, does it matter? What is it to me? That is sin. That is deliberate. If you commit sin deliberately, you are taking yourself off the promises and the blessings that accrue or that accompany grace. If you play ignorance, if you do not know who you are, if you do not exercise your right, the devil will take advantage of you and he will delay or derail your blessings. Though we are at a time of grace. The third one, unforgiveness. If you hamper unforgiveness, and remember how do we pray the Lord's Prayer, and forgive us what? Our sins, as we do what? How do you expect God to forgive you? And you are sinning all the time. Even this morning you sinned. Because you insulted the driver that cut, cut you on the road. You did it. I know some of you drivers, you called him names. What you didn't know is that he, not, he knows you, that you are born again. Huh. So, we cannot say we have not sinned. But because we have, there is grace. Even if we sin, we still have an advocate, Jesus Christ. But how do we expect him to forgive us if he tells us to forgive others and we don't? Today I want to ask you, do you have someone that needs forgiveness? Please consider dealing with that issue. Forgive. Yeah? And the final one, Uzembe, listeners. Many of us will miss our blessings or we are not operating at the level of our blessings because we are lazy. We do not do the right things at the right time. We love sleep more than prayers. We love food more than fasting. We want our time to enjoy the TV rather than going for prayer meeting on a Friday. Because there is a certain program that runs between nine and this time. I can't go for Kesha because of this. Now, that's a choice you make. If you are sluggish, if you are racist, there are consequences. Because you are supposed to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised? Jacob, brother to Esau, inherited the promise, the blessings. He was patient. Though through many trials and years of waiting, he was faithful. But he inherited the promise. He was not crazy. He's a guy who worked hard. Read. When he was given an assignment by his father-in-law, the Bible records that he doubled. He worked so hard that he multiplied his father-in-law's wealth. But instead, his father-in-law kept reducing his wages. 
So he went through tribulations. But the guy was working so hard that even reducing his, his salary would not affect him. Why? Because he's already blessed. It doesn't matter what you go through in that office, my sister, my brother. Work hard. Do what you're supposed to do. They can reduce your salary. They can even promote you. Demote you, sorry. But that will not stop you from inheriting your blessings. Amen? You will still be blessed beyond them. And some of you are witnesses here. There are some of you that have been demoted. Only later to be promoted. And the same person who demoted you is placed under you. Praise the Lord. That's how our God works. When we are faithful, He is faithful. I need to let you go home. I hope you've received something you can take home. Have you? Have you? Especially the area of forgiveness. Please, hear what I've said. If you have an issue of unforgiveness, and you know it, all that it takes is you to deal with it, not the other person. The Bible does not say forgive those who forgive you. It's only us when we are praying that there is that condition. As we forgive those who, for, who, who, those who, who, those, who, those who sins against us. But for you, you need to forgive irrespective. Let me give you a minute. Speak to your heart and ask yourself, my heart, do you carry unforgiving spirit? And ask your heart, are you willing to release, to forgive? If you are in that category, I want to pray with you. Father in heaven, you are a loving father. You paid the price of our sins through your son Jesus. We are free because he paid the price. Today you have spoken to us. There are those of us, Lord, that have had issues of unforgiveness. Lord, I acknowledge as a human being that it is not easy. You too acknowledge because you went through it. When people took you to the cross, accused you falsely, yet on that cross you still said, Father, forgive them. Tonight, Lord, this afternoon, I pray that you would help this one that is saying, Lord, help me. Would you tell him with your own words, Lord, I have forgiven.